Well, it's good to be here in God's house this morning at Porchlight Baptist Church. Glad to have those that are here with us, those watching online, and happy Mother's Day to all you mothers. I got to speak to my mom this morning. Uh, she's in North Kakalaki today, but uh, got to speak to her on the phone, and that was good. And, of course, my wife, being a great mother, she's here with us and uh, got uh, our youngest daughter with us today. And so uh, it is, I'm glad for all mothers. And a lot of times I bring a Mother's Day message on uh, Mother's Day, but today's not really a Mother's Day message per se, although we will be getting into some things that pertains to mothers as we look here in Romans again. And this is part number 47 of our Rooting Through Romans Bible uh, study series, sermon series. And we're going to be looking at Romans chapter 14, verses 7 through 12, Lord willing, this morning. Romans 14, verses 7 through 12, on a message I've titled, Every Knee Shall Bow. Romans 14. If you have your copy of God's Word, if you please turn there. Romans 14, start with verse 7. Here the Bible says, For none of us liveth to himself, and no man dieth to himself. For whether we live, we live unto the Lord. And whether we die, we die unto the Lord. Whether we live, therefore, or die, we are the Lord's. For to this end Christ both died and rose and revived, that he might be Lord both of the dead and living. But why dost thou judge thy brother? Or why dost thou set it not thy brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For it is written, As I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So then every one of us shall give account of himself to God. Father, thank you for the reading of your word this morning. Help us now as we try to preach. We'll give you the glory for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as we pick up again here in this uh, chapter, we left off last Sunday in uh, looking at the first six verses. And uh, we were talking about those doubtful disputations. And that's uh, disputes among church members. And remember, this book of Romans is written to those that are, that are believers in Rome. So they're essentially the church in Rome. And so it wasn't particularly written to lost people, although lost people can get a lot of good information out of here, especially about how to be saved. But as we pick up here in this uh, section of chapter 14, uh, we saw that there was a, a, a difference of two different people Paul was speaking of. There was those that were he called weak in the faith and those strong in the faith. Those weak in the faith, he was telling us that they were still holding on to their old religious practices and had yet to accept the grace that God had given them through the new covenant. Now, those stronger in the faith, they understood the grace that God gave them and, and the things they were able to do uh, that were no longer unlawful, and they were uh, seizing on that uh, those uh, opportunities. But he wanted both sides to understand there is there's no place for to be arguing back and forth over these things. Uh, while those weak in the faith, holding on to those Judaism laws and things, they would have looked at the the folks that were uh, living in grace and say that they were, you know, um, uh, defying the law or that they were doing wrong, and so they wanted to keep doing all the strict things, and so it made them look like these real strict, staunch religious people. Whereas the what, those that were stronger in the faith, and it sounds almost like it should be the opposite. But those stronger in the faith, 
uh, we're accepting of the grace of, of God and we're doing those things that, that we're allowed. And so they would look at those others and claim that they're in the wrong and they, they would claim the other side in the wrong and it would cause disputes. And so we preached on that last Sunday. There's no need to keep going over that. But what we saw in verse 4 last week, it said, Who art thou that judgest another man's servant? Uh, to his own mastery standeth or falleth. Yea, he shall be holden up, for God is able to make him stand. So Paul is cautioning both sides not to judge each other. Don't judge your brother. Who are you? Who gave you the rights? Who died and made you God? We, we have that saying these days. Uh, who gave you these rights? It doesn't belong to you. That person is not your slave. You're not their master. So what gives you the right to say one way or the other or to judge them on what they're doing? And that's more, he keeps stressing more of this in these verses we read this morning. Uh, look at verse 7 through 9 again. It says, For none of us liveth to himself, and no man dieth to himself. For whether we live, we live unto the Lord, and whether we die, we die unto the Lord. Whether we live, therefore, or die, we are the Lord's. For to this end Christ both died and rose and revived, that he might be Lord both of the dead and living. Now, these verses go in contrast to our present-day way of thinking. Today, uh, most people live and die for themselves. It's a me, myself, and I generation that we live in. And it's been that way for many years. Uh, we think our way is the best way. We think our way is the right way. We think our way is the only way. We think it's our way or the highway. And we could really care less what other people think or what God thinks. In most most people's thinking, it's all about me. But it's the exact opposite according to God's word. The, the opposite. The Bible says we're to live unto the Lord. Because why? Because we belong to him. Remember, this is written to Christians. So if you're saved today, you belong to the Lord. So you really don't have, you should not have control over everything in your life. God should have control over it. He is our master. We are his servant. And so we are to obey his desires, his wishes, his will for our lives. Why? Because he purchased us with his blood. He bought us. We belong to him. Listen to what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 6, 19 through 20. The Bible says, What? Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and you are not your own? For you are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. So once you've been saved, your body and your spirit belongs to God. He purchased you. You belong to him. Now, when you purchase something, you have ownership over it. You have all the rights to it. You can do what you want with whatever you purchase because it belongs to you. Let's say, for example... You go out and buy a brand new car. You come home, your neighbor runs across the, the yard, grabs the keys, takes your car, and he lets you drive it on Sunday only, and then the rest, rest of the time, he's got it. Now, is that right? No, of course not. It's your car. He doesn't have rights to it, but yet he thinks that he can just let you drive it on, on Sundays and no other day of the week, and he's going to take it. What do you think we're doing with the Lord? He belong, we belong to him, but yet we think we can only worship him on a Sunday for a couple hours on Sunday, and the rest of the week belongs to us. So we're doing him the same way 
your neighbor's doing your car you just bought, uh, only giving him a little bit of our time. And so we treat the Lord the wrong way. We treat him like he actually, like we uh, are his servant or his master. And we will do what we want to do all week long, and there's nothing you can do about it, Lord. Now, on Sunday, I'll let you guide me. I'll let I'll worship you, Lord. And that's the essentially how people do the Lord. But we need to get out of that mindset. We need to understand we belong to the Lord. He purchased us. We belong to him, and he has all rights over us. Therefore, everything we do as a Christian should be in a manner to bring glory to God. Think about it. Is everything we do, does it bring glory to God? Certainly not. I'm ashamed at some of the things I've done that did not bring glory to God. Uh, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 10, 31, whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. Well, that's a little disturbing. It seems like uh, when I sit down to eat, I'm not doing that for the glory of God. I'm doing that to please my own flesh. Is God getting glory for me gaining all the weight I've gained? He's not getting any glory for that. And so I'm not living in a way pleasing him all the time. And you can sit and look at me and say, uh, yeah, you, point your finger at me. Well, you got four more pointing right back at you. So uh, we all are guilty of it. Now, another reason that we should live uh, for the Lord and seek his will and his approval for everything is so that our lives will be pleasing to him. Don't you want to please those that you love? So sure you do. Uh, my wife was so excited when she, when our youngest daughter came in today for church, and uh, it because it makes her happy. She loves her. Well, that's pleasing to her. We do things that's pleasing to those we love, and so the Bible says in Colossians one and ten that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing being fruitful in, in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Over in 1 Thessalonians 2 and 4, the Bible says, But as we were allowed of God to be put in trust with the gospel, even so we speak, listen to this, not as pleasing men, but God, which trieth our hearts. So even in the sharing of the gospel, that's, that's not essentially for men. It's, it's so that men can be saved. But we're doing that for the Lord. It's pleasing to him. 1 John 3, 22, And whatsoever we ask, we receive of him, because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. And so, whether it's in life or death, we live unto the Lord because we don't belong to ourselves. We belong to him. And everything we do should glorify God and honor him and please him. All right, now look at verse 10 of our text, Romans 14, 10. The Bible says, But why dost thou judge thy brother? Or why dost thou set it naught thy brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Now here again, Paul's bringing up judging our brother. It's, it's an important thing in the Bible about not judging. Now, there are places in the Bible that advises us of how to judge people properly. So there is, there's nowhere that we are not to judge someone if it's a righteous judgment. But it's this other judgment, this jealousy judgment, this judgment of, of envy and strife. And here the Bible says, set, uh, thou set it not with thy brother. That means 
to despise him with contempt is what that word means or that phrase means. Uh, to set it in all means to despise with contempt. And so it boils down to self-centeredness. We despise our brother and we judge our brother because we're self-centered. We think that we should be better than everybody else. And uh, most people in the world think that they're better than, than everybody around them. And they believe that if somebody else is getting maybe uh, better reactions or maybe they're more successful then we start harboring jealousy in our heart because we want what they have because we think that we uh, deserve it. We deserve to be better than that guy. He shouldn't be successful. And so therefore we judge him. We try to find things wrong with him. We, we are set at naught with him. So we have this contempt and this, we despise our brother because of his success. Well, there's a problem with all that. Did you see what it said in verse 10, the last part of it? He said, for we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Now, I don't know about you, but that verse scares me because I know I'm going to stand before the Lord one day and I'm going to answer. And No, we're not going to stand before him and be judged for our sins. Our sins have already been forgiven by Christ on the cross. That's not what this is going to be about when we come before the Lord and get judged. And the Bible says it's appointed unto men once to die, and after this, the judgment. So we will be judged. You better believe it will. And listen, we can pretend here on earth to be something we're not. You can fool a lot of people all day long. You can go to a church and dress a certain way, carry the right Bible, speak the right way. Uh, and you can fool a lot of people, and you can be lost as lost could be. Uh, you can pretend that you're somebody that you're not, and... And, uh, you know, in front of everybody and you'll fool them, but there's one person you're not fooling and that's God. He knows all and he sees all. You're not hiding anything from him and you're not fooling him. It doesn't matter how good you look or how well you dress or uh, what your words are. You're not fooling God. And he, one day you will stand before him and be judged. He says, we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Uh, right now, we, we stand around, we take all these selfies of ourselves. We scrutinize each one. Now, most people, when they upload a selfie, they've already took about a hundred of them before that, and they went through and scrolled and looked and found the perfect one. Do I look fat in that one? Is, is, do I look funny? Is my hair right? Is my teeth right? And all this, and they'll, they'll uh, use all these little editing tools, and they'll whiten their teeth, and they'll make their eyes look bigger, and their face more thin, and all these things. And then they'll upload the perfect selfie. And then all these people, oh, great picture, great, 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 you know, beautiful, beautiful inside and out. And, all, uh, you know, and that's what they're craving. But what people don't know is <laughs> that really doesn't even look like them. It may resemble them, but it's not who they really are. They've done all this manipulating to it and went through all these different pictures and, uh, to, to upload something to make people think they're something they are not. And when they post things online, on social media, they only post the, the very best of everything. You know, my son is this and that, and he's the greatest and all this. You know, they're not going to tell you all the bad things. And so you look at some people's social media, and it looks like they are perfect. And a lot of people sit around and say, boy, my life is terrible. Look at them. Look at all the stuff they have. If you really knew them, uh, you would know better. So we can pretend in front of people all day long and fool them, but uh, listen, 
we'll stand before God one day and be judged and we'll not fool him because he's the one that knows and sees all. There'll be no hiding. Uh, Christians, like I said, will not be judged for sinning. Uh, their sins won't be judged. It won't be a question whether or not are you going to heaven or going to hell when we come before the judgment seat of Christ. It will be those things which we have done, both good and bad, in our body, the Bible says. And, but we are going to be judged for our works and our lack of works. Listen to what the Bible says. 1 Corinthians 3.13 Every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. Now, we know that the Bible speaks of the wood, hay, and stubble in, the, in that passage. Uh, those things that you did for Christ with, a, with an earnest heart, an honest heart, you really did it for him and not to get the glory of man uh, or the world, then those things are, are going to be saved. They won't be burned up. You, you, we do get rewards for those things, which is not something that I dwell on a lot because we're not looking for rewards all the time. We're, we want to be pleasing to God. And so those things that you earnestly and honestly did for, for the Lord to glorify him, those things will be revealed by fire. They will, they will stand the test of time. But those other things, most of the things in our lives that we claimed was for God, but it was really so that we could show off or be seen or be loved and liked by people, those things can get burned up. It's wood, hay, and stubble. Those things are very flammable because they're dry. And the Bible says that's what's going to happen to those things that you've done that was not for God's glory. It, because it's going to be revealed. It says they'll be made manifest. That means made visible and public and open. 1 Corinthians 4 and 5 says, Therefore judge nothing before the time until the Lord come, who both will bring to light the hidden things of darkness and will make manifest the counsels of the hearts, and then shall every man have praise of God. Now, if that don't worry you, I don't know what does when those things that you think are hidden, those things that are dark in your heart, and you think, well, I fooled everybody, and ain't nobody going to know about it. Well, the Bible says there's going to be a day God's going to bring all those things to light. I tell you that that is that's worrisome right there. Second uh, Corinthians five ten, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. So those works that we do for the Lord, both good and bad, it's going to be revealed. Hebrews 4 and 13 says, Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and opened under the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Uh, that's a vivid picture there of someone standing before the Lord. Uh, you can stand before people today and feel like you're protected and nobody can see a thing. You stand before the Lord, you might as well just be standing before him buck naked. Because those things that you've done are revealed. All right, verse 11, back in Romans 14. For it is written, As I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So then every one of us shall give account of himself to God. Now here Paul, again, is quoting from the Old Testament, and it's the same truth that's been carried over into the New Testament. And it's from Isaiah chapter 45, verse 23 where the Bible says, I have sworn by myself the word is gone out of my mouth in righteousness and shall not return. 
that unto me every knee shall bow, every tongue shall swear. So we find that same truth Paul is giving here in the New Testament. Nothing's changed. Uh, we will appear before the Lord, and we will bow our knee before him. Paul also says the same thing to the church in Philippi. Listen, he says in Philippians chapter 2, verses 10 and 11, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So not only will every Christian bow before the Lord and get on their knees before the Lord, but so will every lost sinner. Nothing and no one is left out. Did you see what it said? Nothing on earth, nothing below the earth, nothing even, even in heaven, that every knee shall bow. Now, there's a lot of people here on this earth that laugh and mock us for being Christians. There's a lot of things going on right now in the news that's uh, it's very important things. And Christians are getting a, a black eye in a lot of the things that are happening today. I've been studying a lot and researching a lot on this recent Supreme Court document leak. I don't know if everybody knows what that is, but... What has happened, it's, it's a document, it's an initial draft that was written uh, by the Supreme Court justices, uh, Samuel Leto. He, it was circulated inside the court. And what it is is concerning their opinion of overturning Roe versus Wade. And uh, also um, Planned Parenthood versus Casey, that's another case. And so it is an inside document only meant for the Supreme Court of the United States of America, those nine members of the Supreme Court, not to be shown outside of that court. And it is the opinion that they would overturn Roe versus Wade. And usually what happens when one of these court opinions like this is circulated within the court, it's one of the things they're going to vote on pretty soon, probably within two months, and will pass this. Now, the reason they can pass it right now is because the Supreme Court is, with those nine members, there are five of those who are very moderate, very conservative. And there's four on there that's very liberal. So right now, the conservatives have, have the sway in the court. And so we're able to, I say we, I'm not on the Supreme Court, but I'm a conservative. So we are able right now, the conservatives are able right now to overturn things like this that we, are, we know are wrong because of the sway in the Supreme Court. That's why whenever a Supreme Court justice retires or dies and they have to be replaced, that's why it's so important and they make such a big deal out of it because depending on who the president of the time is, is who gets elected and which way they sway. Right now, if one's going to be appointed, it's going to be a Democrat because our current president is a Democrat. He's a liberal. And he's going to appoint a liberal judge, which they've already done, because one of them, one of the judges retired, is, is retiring uh, in June or July, I believe it is, and they're already replaced with a liberal justice. So things are going to be a little different. We're going to see more of the, uh, the two sides here are going to be butting against each other. Uh, but I believe the speaker, though, has the, the, the final say. Uh, of it, and, and uh, I believe is, is conservative. But anyway, when you see these things happening, 
These are what makes the laws in our country. Now, a conservative usually is going off of godly principles of what we believe. Most conservatives are ruled by the Bible. We, we get our uh, what we believe and uh, from the Word of God. Now, are all these justices uh, Christians? I, you know, I can't tell you whether they are or not. But they have not discovered quite yet how this document was leaked. I believe it was one of the liberal Supreme Court justices who leaked it to be able to sway the next election. Right now, if, if the way things are, if there was a vote today, there's no way a Democrat would win president. No way. Not with the awful things that our current president has got in place. And so Republicans are taking over everything. They're going to be a majority of all. And the next president will be a Republican if nothing major happens that sways the vote. I believe they're trying to sway the vote for the next election, which comes up in more than two years, and uh, to try to sway it over to the other side. But uh, if this did happen, if Roe versus Wade is overturned, what would happen, they give the rights back to the states. And that's what this leak is. Here's what the leak says. We hold that Roe and Casey must be overruled. It is time to heed the Constitution and return the issue of abortion to the people's elected representatives. So that means all abortion cases would go before each state to be uh, whether or not it's going to be legal or illegal. If that happens, immediately 22 states in the United States would ban abortion. Totally ban it. And Tennessee, the great state of Tennessee, which we live in, is one of those states that would ban abortion. Now, if you look at the statistics, there's been over 63 million babies aborted since 1973 when Roe v. Wade was put in place. 63 million babies aborted. Uh, here in Tennessee, the last time that they, they took uh, polls was 2019 of how many was aborted in Tennessee, which we have clear indicator in the polls. In Tennessee in 2019, 9,719 women aborted their babies. Here in Tennessee, now that's unreal. Now that's, that's lower than most states because we have less population than most states. But at a percentage that we're real high in the percentages because of our population. New York, of course, has the highest population, the highest percentage of those having abortions. And these that are screaming the most right now, both sides are screaming. Uh, whether you're you know, pro-life or pro-choice, I hate those words. Those words are meaningless. Uh, but those right now that are so-called pro-choice are screaming the loudest because they want to kill babies. They want to kill babies. They hate God. They are pro-death. That's what I refer to them as pro-death, not pro-choice. They're not choosing to, to keep life. They're choosing to take life. Listen to what God says in Proverbs 8, 35 through 36. He says, For whoso findeth me findeth life, and shall obtain favor of the Lord. But he that sinneth against me wrongeth his own soul. Now listen to this. All they that hate me love death. If that's not a, uh, a verse for those so-called pro-choice people, I don't know what is. All those that hate me love death, the Bible says. And so these people, the fact is, those who hate God, they love death, especially killing little babies. Why are they so upset that you can't kill a little baby? Why, why does that upset them so much? 
that they can't take the lives of little babies. Listen, those people will one day bow on their knee before an almighty God. And it is not going to go good for them. It is not. Listen to what's going to happen to those that reject the Lord Jesus and have to bow before God. Psalms chapter 2, verses 1 through 12, the Bible says, Why do the heathen rage, and the people imagine a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed. Now, this sounds exactly like the world today. The kings of the world, that's your presidents and your dictators and your leadership positions of all the countries and, and states. They're all joining together to take counsel together against the Lord, the Bible says. And it says against his anointed saying, let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us. What that means is they don't want this religious thing holding onto them. Uh, in the case of Roe versus Wade, we don't want those religious fanatics and nuts, those that claim the Lord Jesus to come in here and prevent us from killing our babies. We don't, we don't want that. So we're going to break those cords asunder. We're not going to allow the cords of Christianity and religion to bind us. Well, the Bible says, He that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall have them in derision. That means total confusion. Chaos is what that means. Verse 5, Then shall he speak unto them in his wrath, and vex them in his sore displeasure. Yet have I set my king upon my holy hill of Zion. I will declare the decree the Lord has said unto me, Thou art my son, this day have I, have I begotten thee. Ask of me, and I shall give thee the heathen for thine inheritance, and the uttermost parts of the earth for thy possession. Thou shalt break them with a rod of iron. Thou shalt dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Be wise now, therefore, O you kings. Be instructed, you judges of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the sun, lest he be angry, and you perish from the way, when his wrath is kindled but a little. Blessed are all they that put their trust in him. Now those that right now, that are they hate God, they love death, they're aborting their babies. Uh, if they're not saved before they close their eyes in death, they're going to be one of these that's going to have their, their legs, their knees broken with a rod of iron by the Lord. That's how they're going to bow their knee before God. It's when he crutches them. Now, that sounds horrible to think the God of love, the God of grace, the God of mercy, the God of salvation that would do such a thing. The Bible says he's going to laugh at them. He's going to laugh at them. And for those that murdered their little innocent babies inside the mother's room, they're going to scream, they're going to beg, they're going to cry for mercy when they come before God, but it will be too late at that point. There's no salvation after death. They had their chance, and how awful to think that they're going to hear the laughter of God as he crushes them. Now, this isn't the only place in the Bible that, that the Lord tells us God's going to laugh in the face of those that are evil and sinners. Psalm 37, 12 through 13, the Bible says, The wicked plotteth against the just, and gnashes upon him with his teeth, the Lord shall laugh at him, for he seeth that his day is coming. Uh, that sounds just like today, the wicked plotting against the just. Uh, in the news this morning, all these so-called pro-choice, pro-death people, those that want to murder little babies, you know what they did last night? 
in the night, they went and protested at the Supreme Court justices' houses. They set up a, a protest there at the Supreme Court building. That's what they were doing. They uh, These that were wicked, they're plotting against the just, the Bible says. But the Lord is going to laugh at them because he sees their days coming. Psalm 59, 5 through 9. The Bible says, Thou therefore, O Lord God of hosts, the God of Israel, await to visit all the heathen. Be not merciful to any wicked transgressors. Selah. They return at evening. They make a noise like a dog and go around about the city. Behold, they belch out with their mouth. Swords are in their lips. For who say they doth hear? But thou, O Lord, shalt laugh at them. Thou shalt have all the heathen in derision. Boy, did that not sound just like these people today. Going around just like a dog, making noise, running about the city. That's exactly the way they're doing. The Bible says, but thou, Lord, shalt laugh at them. Because there's going to be a day uh, that he's going to put an end to it. Proverbs chapter 1, verses 22 through 31. How long, you simple ones, will you love simplicity? And the scorners delight in their scorning, and fools hate knowledge. Turn you at my reproof. Behold, I will pour out my spirit unto you. I will make known my words unto you, because I've called and you refused. I've stretched out my hand, and no man regarded but you have said it not all my counsel, and would none of my reproof. Verse 26, I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when your fear cometh. When your fear cometh as desolation, and your destruction cometh as a whirlwind, when distress and anguish cometh upon you, then shall they call upon me, but I will not answer. They shall seek me early, but they shall not find me. For they... For that they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. They would none of my counsel. They despised all my reproof. Therefore shall they eat of the fruit of their own way and be filled with their own devices. Now, we know, of course, uh, there in Proverbs, it's most likely speaking about when God's people, they uh, defied him and he allowed the enemies to come in to take them and destroy their cities and everything. But it's a twofold prophecy here that the people today will be the same way. And exactly as he's saying, they despised him. They rejected him. And what's the Bible say? I will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when your fear cometh. And you better believe there's going to be fear coming one day to all those that hate God. Now, God has made it very clear here in his word of the seriousness of disobeying him of profaning that which is godly. There will be a day when those people are going to hear God laugh as he pours out his righteous judgment and his holy wrath on sin. Trust me, you don't want to be there. You don't want to be in that number when God laughs. But listen, there is still hope for those that are that way. Right now, we are in the age of grace. We, this is sometimes called the church age. When all those that are sinners can come to the Lord and be saved and not have to worry about this. For those mothers who have aborted their babies, they decided that uh, they were more important than this little child they were carrying inside their womb. The safest place that God created for a little child to be was inside the mother. And these mothers and their wickedness have decided to murder the little babies. Now I know the arguments that they give 
the, the pro-choicers give and, you know, the cost of, of trying to raise these babies and these unwanted babies and this and that. You Christians don't understand. We do understand. We do know. Somebody the other day said, what good does Christians do for those, uh, for those babies if they wasn't aborted? And somebody said, well, the first thing is we won't kill them. Listen, there is still hope, though, for those that dissect those precious little babies, even those abortion doctors, those murderers. That's what they are. They're murderers as they rip apart little precious babies. All these can be saved the same way that you and I are saved. And that's simply by repenting of our sins and believing in the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation. That's how they can be saved. Oh, friends, I tell you what, this, this old world won't be around much longer. You can guarantee it. There's too much wickedness now. God is going to destroy this, this world one day. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 6 and 2, Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. So it's not too late for those that hate God and love death. They can come to the Lord Jesus for salvation. Believe the gospel and be saved. We need to pray for them. We we sincerely need to pray for these these ladies that believe that their only choice is to murder the little baby. We need to pray for them. They will stand in judgment one day. Their knees will be broken in front of the Lord. They will hear the laughter of God if they're not saved. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, God, we come to you today. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the message, Lord. I pray, God, that those that may be listening today, God, that, that may not know you, Lord, that you'll convict their heart. Show them the need to be saved before it's too late. God, we know there's been many women, Lord, that's went and had their babies murdered inside of them. God, we know that's an awful sin. Lord, we pray that you will save them before it's too late. God, we, we pray for those that right now are despising you, Lord, rejecting you, hating you, and loving death. We pray for them. We pray, Lord, you will shine your light upon them, God, and, and drive the wickedness from them before it's too late. Lord, help us as a church to be better at remembering this in prayer. Lord, help those that are listening Lord, if there's one that doesn't know you as their Savior, would this be the day? As you said in your word, God, now is the accepted time. Now, today, is the day of salvation. Help them, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, now next Sunday we will be at Northside Baptist Church, Lord willing. I'll be out there preaching for those folks. And you, you come and be with us. And that's over on Bernard Avenue off Central Avenue Pike. Uh, pretty close to where the old Sears building used to be in, in downtown. Uh, it's easy to find. It's right across from the, the, the Gray Cemetery where all the uh, soldiers are buried. So come out uh, and be with us there at Northside next, next Sunday. All right. Are all hearts and minds clear? All right. Good Lord willing, the creek don't rise. The fear of the Lord, you're at liberty to go.